Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast, where we exist to make Jesus famous. We hope this message is life-giving, encouraging, and challenges you in your walk with Christ. Hey, today we're in a series, we're starting a series, it's going to be a four-week series that is really, really timely, and it is a series called Peace That Makes No Sense. Peace That Makes No Sense. It comes out of the text of Philippians 4, we'll get there in a little bit, and, and a lot of us, when we grew up at church, we heard a peace that passes understanding, right? And that's what we're talking about. And I have talked to so many people before service uh, that are struggling with anxiety, struggling with fear, struggling with stress. Man, you're just, you're just stressed and you're fearful and you're not happy. And so how, despite what you're going through, do you have a, a, a peace when people look at you, go, man, it doesn't make sense. How, 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 why? How, why are you the way you are right now, right? In a good way, they're finally asking that. So talking to you today, peace that makes no sense, and I want to talk to you about Cobra Fields and lamps. Cobra Fields and lamps. A few years ago, I was with some of my friends. Uh, we were building some playgrounds in the Maasai Mara area of Africa, Kenya, from some of the churches and schools that we had started there. And after one of the times we had finished one of the playgrounds, went back to the place we were staying and we went in front of the resort and we started throwing a football in this field. And it was no big deal and we're just running around having fun. There's about six of us in this field throwing this football around. And all of a sudden, one of the workers from the resort comes out, this, this nice Kenyan man, comes out and goes, excuse me, men, I need you to move inside the resort, please. Please leave where you're throwing the football. And very, very respectfully, very calm, respectfully. And I was like, okay, cool. And I, I know this, of this culture, you're not going to come ask me to move for no good reason. So why I'm standing there with the football, I go, absolutely, we'll move. But can you tell me why? Because I always want to know the why. Like there's a, there's a why here and I want to know it. And just as calmly as he could say it, he goes, because where you are is a cobra field, and there are cobras all around you. And I'm telling you, I had never moved like Usain Bolt in my life. I ran, and those guys ran so fast, our clothes almost fell off, right? Like, you didn't have to tell me twice, and I'm like, how did this guy come in and say, you're in a cobra field, right? I would have been like, you're in a cobra field. Like, I would have freaked out, right? My, my, my octave, I would have sang like Tanner, like, why and he's singing, I would have been like, what are you doing? Um, and, and the reason he could have peace in that moment that made no sense is because he wasn't in the field, right? <laughs> How do you and I experience peace that doesn't make sense? Our text for this entire series is found in Philippians chapter 4, verse 4 through 7. And let me give you homework to do throughout this series. Each week, I'm going to ask that you would read the book of Philippians. It's only four chapters. You can do this. Um, and switch your translations up. So read it in the NLT, in the ESV, in the NIV. Um, go even old school. Go KJV, right? Some of you are like, finally. Um, but Philippians chapter 4, verse 4 through 7 says this, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon, so don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace 
which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. This morning I want us to understand four things about how do we experience peace that makes no sense. And the first one is this, peace doesn't happen because of lack of problems. It happens when we know who's present with us in our problems. Right, the peace we're talking about doesn't happen because you're not going through anything. It means you have a peace that makes no sense because you know who is with you while you're going through it. Most of the time when we think of peace, when we think of man, peace and stillness, we think of it as lack of conflict with there being no drama. And that's a good thing, right? No war, no issues, and no problems. And if you think peace, is the absence of problems, and you got the wrong idea of what kind of peace the Bible is talking about today. Paul is telling us that there is a peace that will guard your hearts and minds. That means it's going to guard how you feel and what you think. It will guard your hearts and minds despite what you're going through. So, so peace isn't that there's that conflict is absent, right? Peace guards my hearts and guards my thoughts and guards my mind, even though I'm going through conflict, even though I'm dealing with drama, even though I'm dealing with issues, even though things are chaotic, even though things feel like out of control, even when I don't know how it's all going to turn out, I can still have peace. In fact, Jesus said this in John chapter 14, verse 27. He said, peace I leave you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. The word peace that Paul and Jesus are talking about comes from a Greek word called arene. This is the Greek word equivalent, but nothing's quite equivalent, <coughs> for the Greek word shalom that many of us have heard. Arene expresses the idea of wholeness, completeness, or tranquility in the soul that is unaffected by outward circumstances or pressures. The word arene strongly suggests the rule of order in place of chaos. When a person is dominated by arene peace, he has a calm inner stability that results in the ability to conduct himself peacefully, even in the midst of circumstances that would be normally very nerve-wracking, traumatic, or upsetting. This is the peace the Bible is talking about. It is a peace that exceeds our understanding, that doesn't make sense. It's the kind of peace that a guy can have talking to me in a cobra field and saying, hey, you need to leave the cobra field. Um, that's the kind of peace we are going for. So the question is this, and, and, and we experience that peace, right, when we know, not that we're not going through things, but we know who's going through it with us. And how, how, the, So the question becomes, how do you and I have this peace? <clears throat> how do we have a peace that doesn't make sense? Right, Be, because, yeah, that sounds great, Justin. I hear you today, Justin, but, but how do I experience this? because I'm going through it. Some of you, you, you're waiting on a doctor's report. You're waiting to see how the finances turn out because the finances aren't good. And business isn't getting any better. And how, how do I have peace in the midst of that? How do I have peace when I don't know how my kids are gonna turn out? How do I have peace when I don't know 
the guaranteed outcome of a situation. How do I experience this peace that makes no sense? And if we're going to uncover that, if we're going to understand that, we kind of got to hit the brakes for a second. Because Paul talks about something in Philippians 4, chapter 4, before this. And it kind of is in a different vein, but it attaches and is absolutely essential. You have this if you're going to experience this, right? You got to have this if you're going to experience a peace that makes no sense. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4 says this, always, everybody say always. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Paul is telling us this, always be full of the joy of the Lord. And then in verse seven, it says, then you will experience a peace that transcends, that goes beyond, that doesn't make sense. So here's what I want us to understand. Point two, you can't be full of peace if you aren't full of joy. You can't be full of peace if you aren't full of joy. I've never met a person full of peace that wasn't full of joy. But I've met plenty of people who weren't peaceful people, who weren't joyful people. I, they, these two go hand in hand. They're like traveling companions. And Paul is telling us, if you are going to experience a peace that guards your hearts and minds, then you have to have a joy that strengthens and sustain you, sustains you while things are good, but even when things are going bad. One of the people in the Bible that doesn't get talked about enough is a man named Job. Many of us are familiar with Job. We understand Job, and Job was the man, right? Like Job's God's favorite person in the, on the planet at that time. In fact, he tells Satan, he's like, have you seen my boy Job? Job, Job is my man, right? Like, my man Job, that's my guy, right? And, and he's like, yeah, I've seen him, you know, and you've really blessed him. And so they have this whole thing, and Job experiences crazy loss in a moment. In, in just a moment, Paul, excuse me, in just a moment, Job loses his livestock, Job loses his wealth, Job loses his servants, and Job loses his children. All in a moment. And Job didn't do anything wrong. Job didn't make a decision where you're like, yeah, I could see where that would happen, right? Like, yeah, I could see. You were cooking meth. Makes sense, right? Like, <laughs> I saw what Job was doing. Job, Job didn't do anything wrong, and in one moment, everything just boom. His life is dramatically changed. And he's going in through situations and circumstances that he wasn't planning on and he wasn't asking for. And yet it says this at the very end of Job chapter one. It says, then Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head and fell on the ground and worshiped. And he said, naked I come from my mother's womb and naked shall I return. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away but blessed be the name of the Lord. I love this text and I love this aspect because Job, it says, tore his robe and shaved his head. In the Jewish culture, this is a sign of grieving. So Job isn't saying, oh, nothing happened. I'm good, I'm good. I just lost four of my kids, but I'm good. They were the four I didn't like, right? No, no. Job is experiencing grief. Job is experiencing sorrow. 
And it's not that he's like, yeah, everything's great. Every, no, he's in a place of grief. So Job is showing us something so key. He's showing us that, that joy isn't fake. Right? You don't have to fake it. You don't have to just laugh your way through it, right? But he comes to this place that despite his situation, despite his circumstance, he comes and he says, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. But blessed be, I'm going to praise the name of the Lord. And Job shows us something so key, and I love what Woodrow Kroll says. He said, we rejoice in spite of our grief, not in place of it. And some of you today, you need to understand, having joy doesn't mean that you don't experience grief. Having joy doesn't mean that you don't go through hard times. Having joy doesn't mean you aren't disappointed. Having joy doesn't mean that you're constantly happy. Having joy doesn't mean that you have to laugh all the time. It doesn't mean when bad things happen, you ignore them. It doesn't mean that you don't experience sorrow, sorrowful things. And when people say, how are you doing? You come and say, I'm blessed and highly favored. That's weird. What's that mean? But joy shows us that just because everything is falling apart around us, you don't, it doesn't mean that everything is falling apart inside you, right? That's joy. Joy shows us that just because everything is falling apart around you, you don't, it doesn't mean that everything has to fall apart inside you. And Paul said this, Philippians 4.4, here it is again. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again. Rejoice. Context matters. Paul's writing this from a prison cell in Rome. This is one of four letters that Paul is writing from a prison cell. In fact, Philippians most of the time is known as a book of joy. How do you write a book of joy in a prison? Paul gets not knowing the outcome. Paul gets not knowing how it's all gonna work out. And yet he says this in 1 Thessalonians 5.16, always, there's that word again, always be joyful. Always means at all times. And Paul understands all the disappointments. He understands being stressed. He understands being cold. He understands being hungry. He understands being people trying to kill him. He understands people trying to gossip about him. He understands being disappointed. And yet his instructions to us from the middle of the jail cell, when his life is winding down, he says, always be full of joy in the Lord. Let me say it again. Rejoice in the Lord. And joy is sustaining. Joy keeps you going. Psalms 34 talks about David. David, once again, very much like Job in this aspect, had done nothing wrong. In fact, he had just gotten done killing Goliath, had served Saul faithfully, done everything that Saul had asked, and yet Saul got jealous of David and was hunting David down to kill him. And it gets so bad that Saul has to, I mean, David has to leave. He has to flee for his life. And he goes to the Philistines of all people. This is Goliath was a Philistine. So he goes to his enemies and he goes in front of the king, King Abimelech. And he has to act like a crazy man to, in order to spare his life. And he's drooling and he's acting like he has lost his mind. He's acting like some of you when OU loses, right? Like you're like, like that's what David's doing. Looks like he has lost his mind, and Abimelech feels sorry for David. <clears throat> Instead of killing him, he spares his life, and out of this 
process, out of this situation, David writes this from a cave, running from his life, having to act insane, being away from his family. Psalm 34, verse 1 and 8, I will praise the Lord at all times. Some of you heard it this way, I will bless the Lord at all times. I will constantly speak his praises. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. How do you have peace that makes makes no sense? You choose to always be joyful and take refuge in the Lord because understand this today. My joy is not dependent on what is happening to me, but what God is doing in and through me. And your joy is not contingent or dependent on what is happening around you, but what God is doing in and through you. Let me dispel a myth about joy because some of us, we think joy and happiness are the same. It's not. Joy and happiness are two completely different things. Give me just a second. Many of us get happiness confused with joy. But understand this, our third point, happiness is a reaction to something great. Joy is the product of Christ being great. Happiness is a reaction to something great. You give me a bag of M&Ms, I'm going to be happy right now, right? Joy is a product of Christ being great. The other day, um, it was actually Monday, I'm driving home from lunch, or excuse me, I'm driving back to work from lunch, and uh, I got a call, looked down, and I just keep driving, and all of a sudden, probably 30 seconds later, I see lights in my rearview mirror and I'm getting pulled over. And when I get pulled over, I don't lose my mind. I'm irritated with myself. I'm like, what have you done, you dummy, right? Like, like I looked at my speedometer, I'm like, I wasn't going that fast, right? Like, and so, so I'm, I'm like, what have I done, stupid? Here's what I didn't do. I didn't start crying, ladies. Um, <clears throat> it's called manipulation, and some of you do it in your mirror. Anyways, um, you're welcome, fellas. Anyways. I didn't start crying when the cop came up and I rolled my window down. I didn't say, dude, you, it's a short month. You're trying to meet your quota, police officer, right? Like, I wouldn't lie. I, I wasn't hateful. I wasn't mean. I wasn't like, I, I'm a, my wife's going to beat me and yell at me. I didn't, we, you know, nothing like that. He comes up. He starts talking to me about my truck. I'm like, hey, I like your truck. I'm like, I like my truck too, man. It goes fast. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, do you, do you know why I pulled you over? I'm like, I, honestly, I got no clue on this one. He's like, because you ran right through a red light. I'm like, I did? <laughs> He's like, yeah. I'm like, well, I probably did. I, I, I'm not saying you're a liar. I just did not realize it. He goes, well, where are you driving to? <laughs> now, now, I said Work. Some of you may not believe me, but I'm on stage preaching a sermon. You need to believe your pastor. I said, work. And then he goes, where do you work? And then I smiled. And I pulled my sunglasses off and I go, I work at Foundations Church. And he goes, he pulled his sunglasses off and he goes, are you a freaking pastor? (laughs) And I just put my head down. And I go, yeah, I'm the pastor of Foundations Church. He grabbed my license. He goes, Dad, coming. I'll be right back. 
goes to this cop car, comes back for a little bit, and uh, he gives me my license. He goes, well, I can't give you a ticket or I'll go to hell. So I, <laughs> like, I, I, can't, I can't do this. <laughs> Here's what happened after that. I, I thanked him, and I was like, bro, if you need to give me a ticket, no, I, I can't. You, are you trying to send me to hell? I'm like, no, no. And we got to sit and talk, and I got to invite him to church. And you know what was cool? He was responsive because I didn't act like an idiot when he pulled me over. What was sustaining my emotions? Joy. I didn't get cranky. I didn't get anxious. I wasn't like, oh, you know. I was like, oh, you know what? You were a dummy. That happens when you run red lights. Where do you go to church at? Come here, dummy. Right? Like, <laughs> and we had this great talk, and I don't know if he came today. If you're here, I'm still sorry. I ran the red light. Um, but it was amazing that I got to be fruitful and effective, even though it wasn't an ideal situation. Can I tell you, that's what joy does for you, right? Joy keeps you grounded. Joy keeps you from fluctuating and having highs and having lows. And some of you, your kids don't know if they should come into your room and talk to you or not, because they don't know what kind of parent they're getting that morning. And joy keeps you here. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 through 23, says this, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, and peace. They're right next to one another. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And where you have joy, you usually have peace. And if you're going to have peace that makes no sense, that guards your heart and mind, you got to have joy that grounds you and strengthens you. And no matter your situation, hear me, you may not be happy about it, but hear me, you can still have joy, and here's why. Because you know Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ is still reigning, he's still ruling, and because you know him and you're connected to him, you win. So no matter your situation, can I tell you, you can have joy. Let me tell you some things joy isn't. Joy isn't fleeting. It, it's not based and it doesn't leave based on circumstances. It isn't conditional, but it's foundational and stays despite the circumstances. Joy isn't negative, but it looks for good. Remember what Job says, blessed be the name of the Lord. Joy isn't inconsistent. Moody. It isn't cranky one day, it's not gr gr grumpy one day and happy the next. If your mood is inconsistent, you're moody, right? You're following outside circumstances instead of being grounded by an inner relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not contingent on how things turn out, but it's dependent on who Jesus was and is. Joy isn't cranky, grumpy, irritable, but joy is content, full of praise and worship and peaceful. I love what Rick Warren said. He said this, joy is the settled assurance that God is in control of all the details of my life. The quiet confidence that ultimately everything is going to be all right and the determined choice to praise God in every situation. But let's be real transparent here. What do you do if you don't have peace today? What do you do if you feel distant? You feel lost? and you don't feel joy. Some of you, you're here, some of you, you're watching online and you're like, I don't know where it went to. Let's go back to King David. King David, most of us know his big downfall. We know his big mistake. David had an affair with a lady named Bathsheba. 
But Bathsheba wasn't just some woman. Bathsheba was one of David's best buddies' wives. Uriah the Hittite. Uriah is listed as one of David's mighty men, one of the 40. This is one of David's boys. David sleeps with Bathsheba. That's bad enough. Gets her pregnant. Tries to get Uriah drunk so he'll sleep with his wife to cover it up. And when Uriah the Hittite won't sleep with Bathsheba, David sends him back into the battlefield, puts him on the front line so that he's guaranteed to be killed. He murders his buddy to cover his sin and thinks he gets away with it. And Nathan the prophet comes. And some of you, you need a Nathan to speak into your life sometimes. Nathan the prophet comes and he says, hey, I got a parable for you about the sheep and the shepherd and all this stuff and this guy loved the shepherd. Anyways, he goes in and David gets infuriated and he's like, you're the guy. You're the one that slept with your buddy's wife. And out of this context, David writes Psalms 51 verse 12. He says, restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. And some of us, we feel that so deep. God, restore to me the joy Somewhere I lost it. Restore to me the joy. Because I don't have peace. I don't have peace that makes no sense. I don't have peace that goes beyond my understanding. And, And I'm looking and I realize I don't have joy. And how do you get joy back when you feel like you've lost it? And you're sitting there like David. God, restore unto me the joy of your salvation. I will give you this and it's our last point. Remain in instead of unplugging from. Remain in instead of unplugging from. When things go wrong, I say this. When, when you're stressed, you say this. When it's been busy, when it's been hectic, you, we all do this. Man, I just need to unwind and unplug. Right? I, I just need to unwind and I just need to unplug. And that's okay. I get what you're saying, but as for a follower of Christ... You can't afford to unplug from him. You can't do it. I have a lamp in my office. This actually happened to me last night as I'm getting ready to share this illustration. It's nothing like this lamp. The only thing that is familiar with this lamp is the step, like, turn on, turn off button. The step switch. I get in last night, and I go to study and review my message, and I'm, I'm sitting there studying, and I go to click it, and nothing happens. It's dark in the office, and I'm like, well, well, awesome. You know, and so I start looking at the light bulb, and I check it, and I take it out, and I go put a new one in, and I, nothing. Awesome. So I, I start looking, I start messing with the wire, and I'm like, Casey, I think there's a fuse broken in our wire. You need to come fix, because I don't know how to do that, right? And so she's like, give me a second, Justin, I'm busy. And so I'm like, well, well, let me check one more thing. And I grabbed this and I realized that it has been unplugged from the power source, right? It got unplugged from the outlet in the wall and I plug it in and boom, it works. And I'm like, you big dummy. All I needed to check was this because if it gets unplugged, it doesn't work. It's, it has the potential to shine. It has the potential to put off light, but not if it gets disconnected from its power source, And some of you, you have the potential to produce joy, right? You have the potential to be a joyful person. You have the potential to contain a peace that makes no sense, but you can't produce it. And you got to learn to remain plugged in 
to your power source, to the one that can give you a joy that is your strength that it talks about in Nehemiah, a joy that grounds you and sustains you no matter what you're going through, a peace that no matter what you're going through, it passes all understanding. And I close with this. It says this in John chapter 15, verse four through five, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus says the word in one, two, three, four, five, six times in two verses. I think Jesus is trying to tell us something. And he's saying this, if you stay plugged in, if you stay remaining and abiding in, man, you're gonna produce much fruit. And that fruit, we just talked about in Galatians chapter five. Derek, if you'll come out. Love, joy, peace. And our tendency is to unplug to unwind, and Jesus say, no, 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 no. Remain in me, and I'll remain in you. Because apart from me, you can't produce it. Apart from me, you can't have a joy that sustains you. And here's what he says, and I love the Bible. I love it so much. John 15, verse 11, it says this. He, he's just talked about remain in me, I'll remain in you. Apart from me, you can do nothing, but if you remain in me, you will bear much fruit. He says this, I have told you this, to remain in me. Why? So that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Right, like the Bible is coming alive and Jesus is saying, I didn't just tell you to abide. And he's saying, abide in me and I'll abide in you. This word abide comes from a Greek word called minnow. And it means to rest or to exist in. And I love that. Exist in me. Stay in me. Stay, stay abiding, stay existing in me. Because if you do, the promise is this. So later on in the chapter, my joy will be made complete in you. So let's go back to our text. Philippians chapter four, verse seven. This is so cool. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live, there it is, in. As you live in Christ Jesus, as you remain in, as you abide in, as you stay plugged in to Jesus. Because the scripture says this, in him we live and move and have our being. So for you that are looking for joy, for you that are looking for peace that doesn't make sense, have you gotten unplugged from the master? Man, maybe some of you, you don't even know when it happened. But you stopped abiding. You stopped existing. You stopped remaining. Today, come back to a place and let God restore the joy of your salvation. Let's bow our heads. Lord, we come before you today. We hope that you enjoyed this message. 
If you have any questions or want to reach out to us, you can email us at info at foundationschurch.tv or visit our website at foundationschurch.tv. Thank you.